0: Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My guest today is Kurt Schlichter, an attorney, retired Army infantry colonel, and senior columnist for townhall.com. His commentary on political, military, and legal issues has been featured in numerous national outlets such as Fox News, CNN, and The Hugh Hewitt Show. He's also the author of multiple books, including I Am a Liberal, A Conservative's Guide to Dealing with Nature's Most Irritating Mistake, and the political novels Conservative Insurgency, and most recently, People's Republic. Kurt Schlechter, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You know, in following you on Town Hall, where you're a columnist, my sense is that Really, from the beginning, you weren't so much pro-Donald Trump as extremely anti-Hillary Clinton. And I'm wondering, first, is that right? And if so, why so anti-Clinton?
1: Well, I, I think you characterize it uh, absolutely correctly. I'm a, uh, a conservative. Donald Trump is not conservative. He's more of a populist with some conservative, more conservative positions than liberal positions. Uh And to characterize me as anti-Hillary, which is kind of the one big three, one of the big three positions within uh, the right in in the United States currently, I think is absolutely correct. Uh, I'm anti-Hillary Clinton um, because I think she's a rare combination of stupidity, malice, snobbishness, uh, and, and, and psychological disorder. Who is a manifest threat to the freedom the founding fathers enshrined in our constitution, and I say without exaggeration, I think uh, her malice, stupidity, and malignancy uh, would lead the country to disaster. Uh, That kind of sums it up, right?
0: Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Definitely. Uh, You know. So then, in in looking at president trump uh you in fact recently not too long ago at least wrote a column for town hall where you gave president trump a job performance grade of a plus and so i'm wondering maybe you could talk about why <laughs> such a high grade
1: uh well I, I i i i i voted for donald trump for one reason and one reason only uh, for him to not be hillary clinton and I uh, I'm very happy with the way he has not been Hillary Clinton. I consider everything else gravy, everything from Scott Pruitt to go clean up the uh, EPA, to Neil, uh, Neil Gorsuch to uh, uh, take the Supreme Court seat, to some of his other judicial appointments, uh, to General Mattis, uh, Jeff Sessions. This is all gravy for me. My entire concern and I look at this like a military guy, you always have to secure your base before you can begin offensive operations, uh, is to make sure that Hillary Clinton couldn't counterattack and couldn't further drive this country towards disaster.
0: I want to thank Politics Guys listeners for taking the time to check out the sponsors that keep the show going, like today's first sponsor, SeatGeek, a great, low-cost, super convenient way to buy tickets for live events. With SeatGeek, you can find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, and it only takes a few taps on the app or a few clicks if you access it through their website, SeatGeek.com. You know, I've got the SeatGeek app. It's up on my uh, machine right now, and there are all kinds of great things it's telling me about near Cincinnati. uh, James Murtry, who I mentioned uh, last week on the show, uh, uh, My Morning Jacket. I don't know what My Morning Jacket is. I won't go to that one, but Diana Kroll Diana is coming to Around Me and SeatGeek told me about that. That would be totally awesome as far as I'm concerned. You know, with SeatGeek, you get updates on whatever venues, events, performers you'd like to keep track of. You can even connect it with Spotify, your music library, Facebook to get notifications about artists that you listen to or you follow. Or if you don't like notifications, hey, you can turn that off. When you buy a ticket, they'll even put the day and the time of the event on your calendar if you want. If you don't want, they won't. You can do it yourself, but really, let them do it. Best of all, Politics Guys listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code POLITICSGUY. That's all one word, no S, I don't know why, but all one word, POLITICSGUY. That's promo code POLITICSGUY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Check it out. OK, that that seems that that seems certainly reasonable in that sense, because Donald Trump certainly has not been Hillary Clinton. His he policies not very much different, you know, but but turning to what Donald Trump has actually done, you know, there are a number of people on the right who've said that, you know, due to his uh, impulsiveness, his lack of focus and what some say is a pretty strong lack of interest in policy details, that He's basically wasting a a golden opportunity to enact a, a truly conservative policy agenda. And I'm wondering if you agree with that or not.
1: Well, I would like Donald Trump to be as conservative as I am, an ideological conservative who's been doing it for 30 years, who, you know, read National Review and Weekly Standard and knows the ideology, knows our particular interests as a movement. But that's not Donald Trump. That's like, you know, that's like expecting my dog to, you know, jump in my car and drive. That's not the guy we have. Yes, there is a golden opportunity there. Yes, I think if we had a a ideological conservative, for instance, if we had a President Pence, I think we'd see movement on more issues. That being said, we've seen movement on a lot of issues. We've seen some regulatory relief. Um, I think Obamacare is probably going to get repealed. Um, although I have some, uh, beefs with, uh, the way the Congress is working or not working. Um, I, I, I think he's putting the military back together. He certainly clarified our foreign policy, but, uh, it's, you know, there are a lot, a lot of other things to do. I mean, he's appointed 10 out of 128 judges. I would have had those within the first month. I think one of the, I think one of his handicaps is is a very very weak staff. I think Wrightens Priebus is as uh, someone who knows him said he'd make a good assistant manager down at a local Target. Ouch. Uh, you know I was a, I was a commander and executive officer, or fairly large formations in the military, so I kind of understand how staffs work. Uh, obviously not as big as the lighthouse. Obviously not at the same stakes, but the principles are the same. Uh, the first principle is make sure the boss gets what the boss wants. Even the boss doesn't say it. And maybe the boss doesn't even, you know, hasn't even thought about it. You're supposed to anticipate, uh, if I were Priebus, I would walk into the guys doing the appointments and say, listen, stupid, you know, tomorrow at 9am, you're going to have a list of 10 people for me the next morning at 9am, you're going to have a list of 10 more people for me. And we're going to do that till we're finished. Uh if I see you walking out of here before 10 o'clock at night, I know that you're not hacking it, so I'm going to fire you and put someone else in who will. And if that person does, I'm going to fire that person and find someone who will. Uh, I don't see Reince Priebus as uh, uh, setting standards and enforcing them brutally, which is what an executive officer or chief of staff does. Uh, I see Reince Priebus on the phone to his friends at the New York Times uh, gossiping and uh, you know working to get his buddies... Uh, uh, ensconce the bureaucracy. And I think that's absolutely useless. So so
0: do you think that the president maybe takes stock and learns from these things and and does something like a, appoint a, a new chief of staff, somebody who's truly empowered to do these sort of things? Do you, do you see that sort of change happening in the near term?
1: You know, I I don't think it's going to for a couple reasons. First, you gotta understand Donald Trump. This is not a guy who ran big organizations. And you say, oh, well, he we had these big companies. Yeah, but he ran them with a relatively small group of close relatives. He didn't have a giant staff. You know, you know you're running a giant staff when you walk through the building and there are people you don't recognize. Uh, and 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 he's just not used to that. And I don't think he I, I don't think he understands that he needs people who think like he thinks out there acting independently without him. You know, I I would expect every major decision uh, went to, uh, you know, a a Trump Corp, or whatever the heck his uh, company's name is, uh, went by his desk. But that's just not possible in the federal government. You need people out there who are going to uh, act in a decentralized way to support your goals. And I just uh, – and I'm not sure he's used to that. I'd like to see him do it. I think he should do it. I think he's suffering for not doing it. But I don't know if he's going to.
0: Yeah, you, you know, in a way, it sounds like what you're saying is you you think that in part he's just not used to being a, a delegator. And, you know, that kind of reminded me of, of another president very much unlike – Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, that's just what I was thinking. There's no excuse for Carter. He was a Navy guy. Uh, and he should he, he should have understood it. Trump thinks he's the smartest guy around. I think he likes to hire people who are smart. Uh, Jimmy Carter thought he was the smartest guy around. Uh, I, I think it's just because he's not used to running an organization this way, and it's kind of hard for him to get his head around it. It would be hard for anybody. And, and again, I'm not saying I'd be competent to do it. Uh, I, 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 there are very few people who would. Um I think Hillary would be technically capable of doing it. That is she'd understand how to move the levers of power. I think she'd just do it in a horrible way for evil goals.
0: right. Now, speaking of uh, evil goals, you know you' you've argued that the people on the left will, at least a lot of people on the left are never going to see President Trump as really essentially anything other than this awful downright, evil person in some sense, regardless of what he does. And, and, you know, in part, I think at least for some of my fellow liberals, that's probably true, but I'm wondering if that's any different than how a lot of people on the right saw president Obama or even someone like Hillary Clinton. Do you see a difference there? Do you think there is one?
1: I I, I do. Um, Hillary Clinton's got a 20 year track record or 25 year track record of, 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 of evil. Uh, when Obama came in, there was a lot of uh, feeling on the conservative side or the Republican side, at least, uh, we, you know, we should at least, you know, kind of respect this guy. Uh, you know, he, he, you know, let's not, not quite give him a shot. We're always going to oppose him, but you know, you know, he's, he's not a bad person. He's just an opponent. And that kind of went away pretty quickly with a lot of uh Obama's attitude sort of like you lost the election shut up you know elections have consequences uh jamming obamacare down our throats uh with no bipartisan consensus of any kind not even not even one republican vote uh so i i think it, it's a very different situation there was no the resistance to obama there was the tea party it's a totally different phenomenon uh in 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 many ways than then you know these uh, you know vagina hat wearing morons um and there's also another understanding the the opposition to obama was an opposition to his ideology the opposition to trump is not really an opposition to donald trump it's an opposition to the people who elected him having a voice and I how do I know this that they, they, people tell me uh, you know you fly over Hicks you knuckle dragging Jesus morons with your guns and your religion you know you're primitive you're gonna die off you shouldn't even have a say there is a great resentment uh, that uh, you know the half uh, the, the portion of America between i5 and i95 stood up and said you know we're, we're suffering and we want to be heard. And the way they were heard is Donald Trump. He's a cry for help. Okay, there aren't, you know, there are three kinds of conservatives: the ones who are never Trump, the ones who are never Hillary—that's me—and the ones who are actually pro-Trump. But the pro-Trump ones are fairly small. In in the sense that, you know, Trump got elected largely because he wasn't Hillary.
0: Our second sponsor today is ZipRecruiter. You know, good help is hard to find. I was lucky because when I started the Politics Guys, I knew Jay would be a great, smart, dependable co-host. And just recently, I felt exactly the same way about bringing Trey on as the third Politics Guy. But most people aren't that lucky, which is where ZipRecruiter comes in. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. And, and that's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike those other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. There's no juggling emails or calls to your office either. You just screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, Politics Guys listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Politics guy. That's no S politics guy. So that's ziprecruiter.com slash politics guy. One more time to try it for free, go to ziprecruiter.com slash politics guy. Well, how would you respond though to, to people, maybe in response to what, what you said, who might say, well, you know, it's true that President Trump's criticism is or is fiercer perhaps than President Obama got at first, but he's getting a lot of it in the mainstream media because, A, he lies more and he lies bigger than any president in recent memory, and B, he has less respect for basic democratic norms than any president in recent memory.
1: Well, I think both those premises are absolutely wrong. As for lying bigger and more, if somebody can name me a bigger lie than if you like your doctor, you can keep him. Uh, I would like to know it. Um, Donald Trump gets a lot of heat from the media because he's uh, the first conservative who basically gives the media the finger. And we've been waiting for that for years. Uh, The media is a... Democrat cheerleader organization. It is a bunch of transcriptionists. It is not an objective uh, institution. It is not a check on power. It is the media as currently constituted is simply another hack political player. And Donald Trump treats it like that. And it offends the hell out of the media. Uh, The uh, what, what was your second? Yeah, one? I, yeah. I, I lost
0: no, my train of no I I can understand how that would that would get you going, uh, but it's that idea that President Trump seems to not respect basic democratic norms. Yeah, that
1: that is, uh, I I think that characterization is entirely false. He has done absolutely zero that attacks any underlying democratic principle. I mean, absolutely zero. Uh, you have. In comparison, you have Hillary Clinton, who literally supported as a is a key plank in her uh, program, uh, overturning a Supreme Court decision that reaffirmed what seems obvious that the Congress cannot make a law banning uh, the publication of criticism of a political candidate. That is what Citizens United did. Citizens United was uh, a... Essentially, a declaratory relief action brought to clarify the law to make sure people were not put in jail if they released a movie critical of Hillary Clinton at a uh, arbitrary time before the upcoming election. Hillary Clinton thinks that the Congress should have the power to control political speech such that you could put people in jail for putting out a film critical of her. In the first argument, the there were two sets of arguments in uh, uh, Citizens United. In the first argument. The Solicitor General, that's the guy who argues for the United States in the defense of the laws, um, actually stood up and said, "Why yes, the government's position is you could ban a book critical of Hillary Clinton under this law, and that's okay." Now the government backtracked on that, but there was no reason to backtrack. The law said, the McCain-Feingold said what it said. So we have Hillary Clinton who actively believes and campaigns for the right for Congress or the power for Congress to make it illegal to criticize politicians. Uh, her attacks on uh, freedom of religion, uh, including the right to people not to be shanghaied and other people's social agendas. Uh, is very obvious. She doesn't make any excuse for it. Uh, the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, which is the, the critical right, because an unarmed citizen is not a citizen, he is a serf. Uh, she makes no bones about it. She she does not believe that the people have a right to keep and bear arms. So if you're talking about anti-democratic uh, policies, her policies are there in her platform. I don't see any from Donald Trump. He hasn't he hasn't said uh, or he hasn't done anything uh, to undercut the legitimacy of an election. He he questioned. He said, hey, there might be cheating, which I think is reasonable. Uh, the Democrats, on the other hand, seem to have been making a concerted effort to overturn the results of this election, uh, including having bureaucrats leak a combination of secrets and lies uh, to do so. So I, I, I absolutely reject the premise. Uh, the only people here who want to restrict the ability of people to participate in politics and have a voice are the Democrats. Oh,
0: okay. Um... You know, I you mentioned uh, Donald Trump questioning, you know, questioning the election. And, I mean, that, of course, that, that refers in part to his his tweets, I think, about how, you know, arguments that millions of people may have voted illegally and so forth. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 there's clearly a pattern, right, where the president often uses this very fiery uh, rhetoric. and But it seems to me, at least, that when you look at some of the things he's actually done, a lot of what he's done, a lot of his appointments have been pretty squarely in the Republican uh, mainstream, really. And so I'm wondering, do you think President Trump is actually less radical, less drain the swampish as he appears to be? And if so,
1: do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Well, first of all, Donald Trump was never radical. Donald Trump's positions in many ways are core Republican positions, but they're also core Democrat positions of 30 years ago. Stuff Joe, guys like Joe Biden out of Scranton would have embraced. You know, Hillary Clinton didn't even deign to talk to the people, to to guys in the union hall in Michigan, the guy at the VFW in Pennsylvania. She didn't, they didn't even count in her giant data crunching machine. These these uh you know old middle class guys, they don't matter the hell with them. They're the past. Donald Trump spoke to them. And you know Joe Biden had the damn common sense he would have spoke to them. I think Bill Clinton certainly would have spoken to those guys. Um so Donald Trump is not in any way radical. Donald Trump is really much less radical than I'd like him to be. Uh, he's as as far as appointing a lot of mainstream Republicans, well, the fact is he didn't come in with a giant retinue of uh, courtiers. You know, he didn't have a, a giant list like Hillary did of, uh, you know, uh, the the five thousand people she's going to appoint to jobs because she's got a Rolodex that big because she's been doing this thirty years. And again, I keep going back and comparing everything to Hillary. I, I not because I'm obsessed with Hillary, but but, but because I think that's uh, a useful illustration to compare and contrast them. Uh, you know my my obsession with the evil of Hillary notwithstanding that exists. Uh, I want I, I just want to make sure listeners are clear why I'm doing it because I think in many ways the contrast between the two was an important contrast and the American people you know said we, we we like some of the stuff this guy's doing. Uh, I would like him I – th- I think Donald Trump wants to tra- drain the swamp, as he says. I think it's very, very hard. He has one political party that has no interest in doing it, and another political argument that has – a political party, his own, has to be kicked and screaming to do it. Uh, because remember, the Republicans are, to some extent, part of the swamp too.
0: Right. You know, of course, we we can't really talk about President Trump and his presidency, it seems like, without bringing up at least at – least- Briefly, the Russia investigations, which pretty, yeah, I mean, you know, they dominated the media right throughout his presidency. Now, of course, there's this consensus conclusion of the intelligence community that, yeah, the Russians were involved and they did this to help Trump's prospects. But, But that said, my sense of things, at least, is that while the president probably wasn't directly involved in anything, some people associated with the campaign may have done some stupid, if not Illegal or treasonous things involving Russia. Uh, what do you think?
1: I think, I think the uh, Trump Russia thing is the Seth Rich nonsense of the Democrat Party. Um, now, first of all you got to understand my position, which is, you know, I was a lieutenant in West Germany back when there was a West Germany waiting to be killed by the Russians because that's what was going to happen to me if they came over. I was supposed to fight to die till I died, hopefully not before we could be reinforced. So I've been and I also trained Ukrainian soldiers. So I was hating Russians before Russia hating Russians became cool. Uh, So it it really pleases me that a lot of these people who were, uh, uh, basically cavorting with the KGB inspired nuclear freeze movement, uh, have now discovered that the Russians, uh, uh, leadership is full of bad people. So bravo to that. Um, now I'll put my lawyer hat on. I'm a litigator. I, I, I work on facts and evidence. There is zero evidence of any wrongdoing by not only Donald Trump, but by anybody in his cabinet, uh, regarding contacts with Russia. Not some, not a little, not hints of it. There is zero. I know there's zero for a couple reasons. First, uh, Feinstein, you know, noted super genius Maxine Waters, uh, whose uh, whose district I'm looking through out my window on right now, and it's gone downhills considerably since she's been uh, a representative. Uh, Clapper, Comey, and all the rest have said there is no no evidence of collusion with Trump. I also know there has been no release, uh, no leak of any evidence that anyone's found. This tell me tells me almost beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is almost affirmative evidence uh, in, in, in favor of showing that there's nothing there. I think it's all nonsense. It's all a lie. Uh, as far as people involved with him, as far as their actual contacts with Russia, there is zero evidence of that. We have Flynn, having a perfectly legit conversation, his incoming NSA director uh, with a Russian ambassador who apparently did not tell his boss exactly what he said, embarrassing his boss. You get fired for that. I get that. I'm a military guy, too. Um, you, you just don't do that. But as for actual wrongdoing, there is none. I've seen no evidence, and I think it is uh, poisonous to our political culture uh, to allow this idea that simply because CNN goes twenty four seven with innuendos and smears that there's something there, this if there's smoke, there's fire mentality, I think is poisoning our political discourse.
0: So then, do you think it's a good thing that there are thorough investigations so we can just get to the bottom of this and sort of come up with a you know with a conclusion with with a, uh, one way or the other then?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I mean I, I dispute that there's anything to get the bot to the bottom of. People have been digging around for 10 months and there is nothing. Uh, but okay, Mueller comes back and says, okay, there's nothing. Does anyone think that they uh, does anyone think that the Democrats are simply going to go, oh, well, done. No, we're gonna see a whiplash effect on Mueller, just like we saw on Comey five minutes before he got fired. Comey was the Antichrist five minutes after, you know, he was a hero. And we'll see that with Mueller, too. Um, we may, you know, we may see one of these uh, process things, you know, uh, a claim of obstruction of justice because somebody in an interview or, uh, di- didn't, didn't, didn't reveal something, even though there's no underlying crime. Kind of the Martha Stewart thing. She went to jail not because she did anything wrong, in the underlying for that the investigation was underlined, but because she uh, allegedly said something false to the FBI while discussing it with them. Uh, this is one reason as a lawyer, my clients will never not exercise the fifth amendment. And yeah, I know all of Hillary's people did. Uh, and I, I, I would expect, and I'm glad general Flynn did. I think when uh, somebody's uh, in this atmosphere, this carnival, this circus, Uh, you don't say anything. Right.
0: Well, you know, I think there are a lot of people who would say President Trump could himself go at least part of the way toward clearing a lot of this up because, well, you know, he's this billionaire business person with, with interest internationally and there are concerns that he might have financial ties, financial ties with Russia or other actors that could be conflicts of interest. And, and that's why a lot of people said, well, if he just released his tax returns, like every president and candidate had done for like 40 years or so, that could have gotten to the bottom of this. And so, I mean, do you think that's a that's a reasonable argument?
1: No, it's a terrible argument. Uh, I mean, you know, let, let's rack our brains and see if we can find the Democrat who, upon him releasing his tax returns and them not showing – uh, any connections with Russia would say oops well I guess I was wrong this is over I, I can't think of the name of that person and I'm I, and I'm trying um by not releasing his tax returns he's basically telling uh, the establishment to go to hell which I kind of like uh I like when they're told no I like when they don't get what they want and if I thought you know there was a good faith uh, opposition that would accept the truth and move on uh, and, and and allow us to go back to normal politics, I might change my mind. But that's not the situation we're in. He has exactly 0% chance of being able to clear the air by doing these things. So I think the value of him not doing them and dry, and, and not giving an inch and not exposing him to some mischaracterization which of course they would be mischaracterized um you know greatly outweighs any potential benefit because there is no potential benefit it will never clear the air so so why play the game
0: right so so it essentially it sounds like you're saying that there's absolutely no upside for the president to work with Democrats or, or the mainstream media, give them anything they want. So he might as well just do his own thing so as not to get himself in any deeper with these people, give them more ammunition. Is that, well, is that about right? Well, it
1: also, it, uh, well, remember, it also builds up the morale of his side. Anytime he devise, defies the establishment, uh, his side feels that it's, you know, finally someone is Dare I say resisting? I don't see any upside. I mean, I mean, what's what? What's the pathway for him to be treated like a regular president? Is it behaving like a regular president? I don't think that's going to get it done. I, I I don't. I mean, if I thought there was a chance of it, then I think it could be a valid course of action. But I I just don't see it. I I don't see any um. Upside for him giving away anything in return for nothing. Right. It makes them look weak.
0: Just one more thing I wanted to ask you on this before we, we shift gears a little bit. You know, there are some people on the right who say what's really going on here is that the entrenched bureaucracy in the intelligence community, sometimes it's called the deep state, is trying to destroy President Trump. And I'm wondering, do you think there's anything to that? And, and, and if you do, why would they want to take down the president, the intelligence community?
1: I think that's undeniable. Uh, it absolutely is true. I think part of it is uh, partisanship. Many of these guys, you know, many of the many of the people in the intelligence community uh, are uh, liberal or liberal appointees, Democrats. Uh, I think they enjoy exercising their power. Uh, I mean, for and, and you know, it's fun to leak. I guess you feel like a big man, like uh, the the uh, uh, some idiot who got. British intelligence about the Manchester bombing leaked it to the New York Times, uh, drove the British nuts. But, you know, why would he do that? Why was it important to see a picture of this detonator? Um, but they leaked it, and it, it hurt the United States because it may us look less credible. What was the benefit? What did the people get out of it? Um, I think it's just, for many of these guys, it's just fun. They're also, you know, a lot of these guys are scumbags. Bureaucrats are not always nice people. A lot of, and, and, and the intelligence community is made up largely bureaucrats. Uh, they're not all James Bonds. Uh, a lot of these are just scuzzy Washington insiders who like exercising power, and they're kind of terrified that, you know, this guy's going to upset our rice bowl. So I, I, be- I believe this is a real problem where you have an entrenched bureaucracy attempting to decide – That, well, you know, the people elected the wrong guy, so we're going to do something about it. We're going to make it impossible for him um, to govern. And what they're really saying is we're going to make it impossible for voices we don't approve of to be heard. And that is not a democratic thought. That is a a step towards um, uh, tyranny. And, you know, I I spent a lot of time, I, I was very moved by seeing what happened when the rule of law went to hell when I was overseas. Uh, and that's why I write a lot of the books I do, which look to the future and are warnings that, you know, democracy and a republic, these are fragile things. And if you undercut the foundations of them, they, they collapse. And then what you have is the rule of force. Now, I. I, I, I And I've seen it. and And everyone thinks, you know, this. You know, our country's so, our, our institutions are so strong. But you know, these institutions have been beaten on with a sledgehammer. You know, you have you have a press that's supposed to be objective and it's not being objective, it's being actively partisan. It's not doing its function, it's not doing its role. You have a, uh, you know, you have a bureaucracy that's attempting to put its finger on the scale instead of just, you know, working loyally for its administration. Um, when you kick out the supports, you know, the, the structure collapses. And history shows us this. You look at the death of the Roman Republic, uh you look at uh Athens and Sparta and the Peloponnesian Wars, and you see that this these 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 things lead down to the bottom of a slippery slope. And it it, it scares the hell out of me.
0: So, so is that? You know, I wanted to ask you about your books. Uh, so, is that why you chose to, uh, at least in the last two, to to focus on on fiction? to kind of to kind of show how yes. that slippery slope. Okay, because
1: yes, uh, I I chose fiction. I uh, was a friend of Andrew Breitbart, like everybody else on Earth. Great guy, and he was very much about you know we conservatives need to be part of the culture, and one of his one of his key points, and I think it was a brilliant point, is first of all don't get in don't get into public culture to send a message. The message is your second. You have to have a story. Uh, So that's, that's kind of the way I did. I mean, I can sit up and lecture at people and sure that's fun, but it gets tiring. No one wants to hear my whiny nasal voice for too long. Uh, But you know, if I can tell a story, an interesting, exciting action adventure story, uh, and then add in, you know, some of the points I want to make, I think that's a, that's a, that's a good way of, uh, uh, of, of addressing things and, and, and showing people rather than telling them what the consequences of the trends that I'm afraid of appear like. So, you know, I wrote, you know, people's Republic, which is an action adventure, but it shows, you know, the country has split apart, which I think is a sadly a a, a possibility the way that we've become polarized. um, And I, I, I think, it, I think it's a good venue to do that. Um, and, and you can read it and say, eh, you know, it's a fun read. I'm in an airport. You know, I got a couple hours to kill. Hey, this is exciting. Or you can read it and go, oh, well, these are some interesting ideas. And it's, it's it was actually gratifying when some people, you know, took it seriously enough to start saying, well, you know, what about this trend you're talking about? Is that realistic? Maybe it'd go this way. And I, I, I was very happy that people uh, took it seriously enough to address some of the ideas behind it. Yeah.
0: You know I, I know, I know we're running uh, uh, short on time here, but I have one final question for you. Uh, aside from uh, Town Hall and, and your stuff, uh, what media sources, or books, columnists, would you recommend to listeners who try to want to get beyond what you clearly see as the, you know, very partisan media that's not doing its job in general and to get more of a, a deeper understanding of what's going on in American politics today?
1: You know, I think there... Um First of all, the, the pro- one of the problems with the uh, Trump wing of the Republican Party is we don't have, and I and, I, and you got to understand what I'm saying, we don't have the intellectual framework that the uh, traditional conservative wing has. There's nobody out there. I mean, there are some people out there uh, writing about, you know, how populism and conservatism need to meet, how we need to address the issues raised by globalization in a way that uh, uh, people like me, for instance, uh, did not address and that Trump was able to uh, uh, talk about. Um, I like going to the aggregate sites. Uh, Instapundit's a good one because it has a wide variety of contributors who are finding a wide variety of stuff and I tend to agree with a lot of what they say and what they think and what they find interesting. Uh, so I think that's a good place to start. You know, there are no texts for, (laughs) for, 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 for what Donald Trump has become. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't give you the, uh, you know, go read, uh, you know, George Wills statecraft is Soulcraft to try and understand, you know, Donald Trump, you know, maybe it may, he might've done better for Jeb, uh, Yeah, it seems like
0: the folks at American Greatness are sort of trying to build something like that, you know?
1: Yeah, the American Greatness, American Thinker, PJ Media's got a lot of good stuff. Town Hall has a wide variety of stuff besides me. Uh, I like social media. You find a lot of good links to interesting stuff there, and you can also interact and, you know, get mad at people. Um, Yeah, it's not – this isn't traditional conservatism, Uh, but, you know, it's conservative enough, right now
0: all right uh well with that we will we will close uh kirschlichter thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today
1: thanks thanks for having me i appreciate it
0: that's it for this politics guys interview thanks for listening we hope you liked what you heard and that you'll check out today's sponsors whose support is really critical to keep the show going First, we have SeatGeek, the easy way to get great low-cost tickets to live events, where Politics Guys listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, or you can go to SeatGeek.com and enter promo code POLITICSGUY, that's all one word, no S, just POLITICSGUY on checkout, and you can get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And also ZipRecruiter, where you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. And unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them with over 80% of jobs posted, getting a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. And right now, Politics Guys listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash PoliticsGuy. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash PoliticsGuy. And hey, if you've got a question, comment, correction, or just a random thought you want to share with us, you can reach us at mail at politicsguys.com. Our Facebook page, where you can message us and where we post throughout the week, is facebook.com slash page. We're also on Twitter, at politicsguys. We'll be back with a new show on Sunday. We hope you'll join us.